Hi, this is a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending November 26. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this week's podcast, uh, we talk about the luxuries of doggy daycare, find out uh, how good your pet gets it, I guess. And Dr. Jen comes and makes us feel a little bit better about having conversations with strangers. We reminisce about our favourite donuts. Uh, Ash Flanders also joins us to chat about his new show, SS Metaphor, which he'll be performing on the outdoor Malthouse stage. And I uh, realise that people can see through my apartment window, so I'll be covering up a little bit more these days. Reviewing video games, Adam Christou introduced us to Inscription and Scout Box all rounded out the week as our Friday funny bugger. Melbourne's own Triple R. I was looking over the weekend. Um, oh, sorry, I feel like I've spoken about my bloody dog a lot of the time. Did you guys do this with your kids? You talk about your kids all the time? When yeah, you mate. First... When I got Ralph, it was like friggin' Ralph <laughs> FM for a year. So I get it. Like, you know, you, you have this new little... Something's going on in my life. Fairy thing in your life. Yeah. I think it's uh, like the first step to having responsibility, like just having my partner and I for so long and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, you got a puppy, you got a, you can't go away unless you take the puppy with you, um, which is fine most of the time. I think it's a big responsibility to ask someone else to look after your puppy for... We, we went away um, for a night and there was no puppy, uh, no dogs allowed in this accommodation. I, I was gigging. So we asked a couple of friends to look after uh, Winnie um, and it was just one night and I didn't realise until we <laughs> went away the list that we provided of just little things that you do because you have the puppy all the time. And I was like, oh, God, we seem like just such pedantic helicopter parents. I mean, it was a one-pager, but it wasn't full. Oh, my God, a one-pager. How old, Winnie? 17 weeks, something. Just over four months. Too young for a full page, you reckon? I I know. It was too much. No. It's just a, it's a lot. Yeah. I know. But no, probably the younger they are, the more oh, likely the, there is the advice yeah. to be given, right? Right. Yeah. As long as there wasn't a PTO, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did say if, if this this is just a guide, just in case you have any questions and stuff, and yeah. worst case, chuck her in the bed with you, you know, whatever, which they did end up doing, um, which is totally fine. We appreciated it. And I think they had the dog for like less than 24 hours, but it was such a big deal. Um, we're, we're going away. Uh, we're going to Adelaide, but Winnie's going to come with us. We're going for a few weeks. But then when we go on um, our honeymoon, there's going to be a week of us where we can't take the dog. And it's like a week is far too long to ask someone to look after a little dog. Like the, it's it's just too... Is it? I feel like it is, especially a little puppies poodle. Like it, there's a lot going on still, so right? needy and affectionate and everything. Yeah, mm. a lot. Still waking up at night. Yeah, getting better at it. But still, like, yeah, you could have those and... Why can't your dad... Take oh, it God, my dad is so not an animal person. He has, he said straight away, as soon as we got the dog, he's like, I'm never looking after it. <laughs> said, okay, oh dad. Like, All right, I wouldn't ask oh, you thanks, to. Thanks, granddad. <laughs> when he can sit next to the deck chair in the unfurnished lounge room in front of an 85-inch. <laughs> oh, so, I, yeah, I would never ask my dad. And friends, yeah, maybe a night. I think that was – I just feel bad putting that on people. Mm. So I had a look because I wasn't sure. I know they have, like, doggy daycare and stuff where you can put your dog in for a few hours. But I realised that you can have – there's, like, pet hotels and boarding houses for, for dogs, which, yeah. is, which is a common – I had no idea. What do you mean you had no idea? I, I've never owned a dog prior, so I had no – I knew dog, doggy daycare. It's like it's knowing that, like, milk exists. I mean, no, that's unfair. <laughs> that is a bit unfair. That is unfair. Um, But, yeah, so you can have it. And I, when I looked into it, I was like, oh, this is like a school camp for kids kind of a thing. They go away. They're with all these other kids. They can – they get fed. They, they hang yeah, out with their mates and everything. make yourself feel better about leaving, leaving your dog. Leaving the dog, mm. absolutely. Um, but I, I was looking into the different part, styles of accommodation and, like, it's really like a hotel, some of these places. Like you've got your basic room for like 50 bucks and then you've got a family room, which is two rooms with a doggy door in between it. Uh, they have the pet executive suite, which is a little bit more. Get out. Pet what, what comes in that? Well, the other beds in the other two, the standard in the family, they're just like, they're not fluffy beds. They're just basic oh. outdoor beds. You know what I mean? Like just a bit of material. Uh, the pet executive has a fluffy bed and a TV. Like... I don't know, make, maybe it makes them feel like they're at home. And they have a presidential suite for couples, 
with beds, two beds. And it's like a, a bedroom with a TV and an actual bed so that they can jump on the bed. I feel like they should call them by the status of celebrity that yeah. would get that room where they human rooms, like oh, yeah. Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, yeah. all the way down to, like, Alpha what? Home and Away. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, what's the <laughs> level of fame that would get that, 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 that yeah. Chuck them in are the they elf. Are they all... Sorts of animals or only dogs? Um, oh, most of the places that I looked at had uh, dogs and cats, and yeah. some of them had, um, I like think, Kim, birds the Kim as well. Kardashian suite. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh my god, brilliant. Mm. Yeah. So when you say couples, you mean cu- like dogs in pairs? Yeah, just dogs in pairs. So it has it has two comfortable beds beside each other, but in a room with an actual human single bed and a TV. There's like, CCTV. A human single bed? What do you mean? Yeah, so the rooms have a human single who's bed. Who's lying in this? Who's a human in there? No one, but the dogs can jump on it and it's got pillows and throws just to make them feel like they're at home, I guess. I don't like this class divide. <laughs> I feel sad for the cheap dogs. Yeah. His parents can't afford. They're never going to know. Aren't they? No, they're never going to know that there's a present pet, 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 pet executive. Pet executive. <laughs> Sweet that they're <laughs> being. And then you never get an upgrade because you can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like the cute dogs get an upgrade. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, you asked about CCTV. They do, for some of them, they have a webcam in the main playing oh. area. So you can actually, and they give you an access code so you can have a look, but they can't tell you when your dog's going to be in there because it just depends on who they get along with and the time. So you just have to sit staring at the CCTV for hours on your supposed holiday <laughs> waiting to you, see that's your That's what dog. you'll be doing, It's I'm exactly sure. what we'll be doing by the ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, like surely. Yeah. Uh, you wonder whether, be because if you're a cleaner, would you, you wouldn't change the sheets on a pet bed, would you? Yeah. yeah. Every night? You're oh, not, oh, not every yeah. night. You wouldn't have thought. Do not disturb. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking is I wish they had this for babies. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> so you go on holiday. Yeah. And you leave your baby. With a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Triple R is fortunate to welcome back to Breakfast as the soon-to-be-minted Associate Professor, Dr Jennifer Martin. Hello, Dr Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel, I feel like it's going to have to be a very formal conversation. (laughs) I know, I'm nervous. (laughs) I'm a bit nervous. But congratulations. Thank you. It's very exciting. Yeah. So um, for those who've never had the joy of hearing anything about academic promotions, it's a bit of a long and involved involved and somewhat stressful process. So it's very exciting to be told, yes, we are going to promote you to the next level. Woohoo. But we won't let you use the title for another few months because that's how it rolls. Fair enough. Take it back. (laughs) (laughs) I retract. You can have it, but not yet. (laughs) That's right. Uh, What else is going on in science world? Well, I found some really interesting research this week that I want to get your opinions on because I think it's very relevant given the COVID world and the kind of coming out of lockdown awkwardness that we find ourselves currently in. So think back probably to a pre-COVID world, to a time you engaged in an interesting conversation with a stranger. So I'm talking a really deep and meaningful conversation, you know, a conversation where you talked about your feelings or your thoughts, your experiences, maybe on a train or in a somewhere or maybe you know back in the days we used to go to parties Mm. tell me your thoughts and experiences did you enjoy having that conversation have you never had a conversation like that because you think it's going to be too awkward tell tell me I mean I have a motto in life and it's go deep go deep go fast and that is because I just think I know it sounds it's bad isn't it I've got to rethink it I've got to rethink it and I thought the Everest of reproductions Go deep. Go, go, let's just go go deep. Because I just think I like having deep conversations with people, or the right people. I don't want to have it with every person on the street. But, like, if you're having yeah. a chat with someone at a party and you're getting along, like, why not go deep? Like, start yeah. having Life's deep conversations. Short, right? Life's yeah, too short for someone yeah right. Yeah. Um, I, I remember meeting Annalise um, from Neon Says It's Mum at a, a show she was playing once. And by the end of it, we just knew each other's entire 
histories, well, relationship <laughs> histories, lives. Mm-hmm. And I thought afterwards, I thought I had to apologise to Annalise because I was like, I'm sorry. I, I think I went too deep with your mum too soon. But there you go. <laughs> I think when I've travelled, if I travel alone, sometimes I, I remember getting on a plane from like Miami to Chicago and sitting by myself and then there was another person travelling by themselves and we... Yep just had the deepest, longest conversation and it was great, just about each other's lives. And when you're travelling alone, sometimes you're more open to that. But I remember the next plane totally. I got on and someone went to start talking to me. I was like, oh, no. I think <laughs> I'm done. done. I'm done. I do not want to do this again. <laughs> I don't like people oh, talking. I so sorry so. for that person. They're probably heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what do we know so about Daniel, it? are you, oh, are you look, into these conversations? Yeah, what do you think? I mean, yeah. No, like, if there's really, a, that this is but Bert goes out by himself and sits in bars waiting to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if there's a kitchen and someone's parent, I'm there. <laughs> so I think we're all really very similar then, but we're not necessarily that common. I mean, I think we all have this sense that some of us do find it easier to share our innermost thoughts with total strangers than with our family or friends. I think we all know that. But research suggests that most of us assume a conversation with a stranger about something personal is going to be incredibly awkward. So lots and lots of people avoid them. And that's what this research was about that I found that I want to tell you about. So it's brand new research. And essentially, they wanted to find out what are our expectations of conversations with strangers versus what's the reality. And they did a whole series of different experiments. I won't tell you about all of them. But for example, in the first one, People were told, okay, you're going to be paired up with someone that you don't know, a complete stranger, and we'd like you to discuss a couple of questions. So these were the uh, designated deep questions. So, for example, what are you most grateful for in your life? Tell me about a time you've cried in front of another person. And my favourite question, and I I wish we had time so I could get your answers to this. Maybe I'll – this can be your homework. Mm. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself your life, your future, or anything else, what would you want to know? <laughs> what a question, mm. right? Yeah, definitely. However, having these questions provided to you makes me go, well, you don't actually care about the answer because you, it's being assigned to you. And so I'm yeah. less willing to be, you know, gregarious in my response. Does that ring true? Yeah, through? I think yeah. that's a really good point, yeah. Daniel. And one of the clear limitations of these studies is that they weren't in real life situations. Mm. You know, they were essentially very fabricated in a lab. You are going to come in and you are going to have this discussion. So I guess that's the proviso for all of these mm. results. But but what they found was if we take these as examples of questions that are likely to lead to interesting and deep conversations, and they defined a deep conversation as one in which you disclose personal information about your thoughts or your feelings or your experiences, essentially they asked each person to predict how much they thought they would be interested in the other person, to predict how interested they thought the other person would be in them, how awkward they would feel during the conversation, and whether they'd feel any bond with the person after the conversation and then of course they asked them to rate their actual experiences after the conversation and pretty much everyone underestimated so they said I'll feel really awkward Um, I won't be at all interested in the other person the other person won't be interested in me they won't care about my personal thoughts or experiences so I'm going to feel really vulnerable I'm going to be opening myself up to judgment you know all this negative stuff and they didn't think they'd have any connection with this stranger after a short Uh, conversation. But you know what's coming, right? It was the opposite. It turned out that people felt really positive about the conversation. They didn't feel Mm. particularly awkward. They felt really interested in the other person. The other person felt interested in them and they felt this strong bond. So we completely underestimate whether we're going to enjoy a conversation like that. Why do you think we underestimate? Well, you tell me, I guess, because we think it's going to be awkward or we just think, why would someone care about my thoughts and my feelings? Maybe we Or is it like self-protective? You tend to underestimate everything in your life. I mean, I do, unless you're a really confident, ego-driven person. I think you usually underestimate, you know, people's interest in you in general, Mm. always, right? Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I reckon unless you think you're the best thing since sliced bread, Mm. we all think, oh, who'd be interested in me? And, gee, I'm going to make myself really vulnerable if I open up and that person has the option then of completely judging me or rejecting me and saying, oh, yeah, nice talking to you and walking walking off in two minutes. So they did the study again, but then that 
second time, half the people were told, uh, were given a different set of questions. So I don't think they were told, you need to have a deep conversation and you need to have a shallow conversation. They were just given different conversation starting points. Mm -hmm. But the designated small talk was, you know, do you like to stay up late or get up early? What's the best TV show you've seen? How often do you get your hair cut? Who's your favourite hairdresser? So real small talk stuff. Um, and yes, people felt those conversations were fine. They didn't mind having them. But of course, afterwards, they didn't feel any real sense of, of connection to the other person. And we know that feeling connected, feeling belonging is a really important part of good mental health. So I guess the upshot is that people are interested in our revelations. And it's a shame that our, uh, I guess, our expectations are really out of whack with what the reality is likely to be, because we'd feel much better about the world if we connected with people more. It's funny. In fact, those conversations, those surface conversations kind of drain me. Don't, yeah, don't you think? Yeah, like sometimes sure. they can almost be the most emotionally or mentally draining because they 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 feel a bit meaningless. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, and that's why there's so many self-help books out there about how to have good chit-chat and small talk because most of us <laughs> don't really enjoy those conversations. <laughs> this, help. The proliferation of like three and a half hour podcasts as well. Yeah. Like, are people so maybe hampered in their facility with conversing that they outsource it to these people for three and a half hours. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you need to listen time. to someone else have deep Yeah, because you're not having it on your own. Yeah. Interesting. But thought. I do wonder how COVID's going to affect this because as we come out of lockdown, we probably have some of the first converse, you know, opportunities for conversations with strangers we've had for, for a long time. Mm. But we're also probably feeling more socially anxious and awkward than ever before. Mm. So maybe it's a case of people actually needing to be brave and saying, oh, my expectation is this conversation will be scary. But the research suggests that if I'm brave, I'll <laughs> yeah. feel really good afterwards. So I should do it. What about the science? Well, this is a off topic slightly, but in terms of communicating in science do you find that there are good scientists who can't communicate but there are bad scientists who can communicate who get maybe elevated just because they're a good chat Oh, absolutely. No question. I mean, that's my whole job, right, is to train scientists to be better communicators. Mm. And some people are naturally more confident communicators than others. And it doesn't, just because you're a great communicator, doesn't mean you necessarily are sharing accurate science. I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> Beautifully. <laughs> that's kind of what fake news is, right? Yeah, right. God, so controversial now you're an associate professor, Dr. Jennifer Martin. <laughs> oh, you know me, Daniel. Always the controversy. <laughs> uh, all right. Awesome. Well, let's talk next week, please. Only if it's a deep conversation. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days ago, I had an original glazed donut and it was one of the best things I've tasted in a very long time. Like, I just... <laughs> I, I don't think I've had a donut in so long. Like, not, not a good one. And it just... God, it just melted in my mouth and it just made me think of when the last time I, I had a donut. I don't know, because they're, they're bloody good. You know, my mum used to love donuts. That was her one craving. Most of the time she'd eat pretty good, but donuts, nearly every single day, she would have coffee and a donut, like for morning tea. It's just like, how are you not huge? The amount yeah. of donuts that you have. Uh, but she kept fitting, you know, everything else she kind of, oh, donuts and fried chicken. Bloody hell, but she managed to stay fit. I guess all that island dancing. But anyway, um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it made me think of just donuts and the different places that I've had donuts and, and uh, I guess the nostalgia that it brings up as well. Uh, my folks used to own uh, a convenience store and we would always get donuts and pies, all that kind of stuff that you have at like a servo. And whenever like the donuts would have a life span of like three days, I think that you could put them in and then they'd take them out and you get credited for them. So you get, you can either throw them out or you can keep them. But like the, you know, the donut man will come in and say, keep these ones, here's the new ones. And we, so I've got like two brothers, we would just be hanging oh for the third God. day. And when people will come in and look at the donuts, like don't touch a donut, don't touch a donut. <laughs> we want those donuts. <laughs> and they'd leave them. And the most popular one that got left, what flavour do you think that would be? Pineapple. Yeah, oh my God, bang on. Mm. It was pineapple. And I think you really know your convenience store, don't you? Daniel. <laughs> it turns out yeah. that was like reptile brain. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that was yeah. That was, and I think I. I used to love pineapple donuts. I think it was just because that's what we had all the time. Like there was always that available. Never was the chocolate jam sprinkled donut available. Mm. Never, ever. Um, and ice donuts and stuff. My mum loved jam donuts though. Oh, just mate. Always. And she'd just heat them up in yeah. the microwave um, if they weren't hot already. So the ones that are coming off the shelf. Um, 
and have it with a cuppa. I, I remember going to the big market and, oh, I mean, you've got to have hot jam donuts when you go there. I'm, I can't tell you how many times I've burnt my tongue and spilt stuff on my shirt. But, I mean, it's just what you've got to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm surrounded by donut joints. Are you? I'm, I'm not more than 40-second walk from multiple really? donut joints. Really? Well, they've kind of risen, haven't they? Like, oh, yeah. There Coming was, ne- there was never donut chain stores been, or, or, or sto- you know, stand, really standalone donut stores I remember growing up, but now they're... Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. And they're cook- like gourmet cookies now, they're oh. going to Portuguese tarts as well. You know, it's oh. a problem where I am. But, <laughs> the, the, I mean, I disgraced myself the other day. Did like, you? Oh, shameful. Like proper... Like, what are you doing with your life, mate? <laughs> what did you I was do? like, so I was like devouring. I was waiting for a toasty, and while I waited, I had another. A, a, you know, so I ate the donut that I was going to take home. Red velvet. Oh my god, a red velvet donut full of uh, <gasps> full of Nutella uh, filling. A red velvet with Nutella. I'm sorry. And with with an Oreo on top. It's too much, Daniel. <laughs> That's three donuts in one. That's yeah, right. It's too much. Too many flavors. Too much. Did you enjoy it? Well, uh, you know, yeah, in a way, like in that self-loathing sense. <laughs> oh no, you don't have to self-loathe. I no. just feel like it's too many flavors. Like, yeah. what do you even? You know, I don't know. It's like too. It's I don't know what the word would be for it, but it's like it's like too. You got to take something off. Yeah. Was, was there cream cheese on top of it? Or I'm just no, there was the no cream velvet. cheese. There's no cream cheese. Uh, That's but, unfortunate. But I have seen uh, because I'm a I'm not a donut aficionado. Although I have travelled a long way for donuts. You like being? You're have a. You? I reckon you're a donut guy. I think I might be. Yeah. I, I admire. I I don't. Your mum having donuts for breakfast is oh. perfectly in my view. <laughs> Reasonable. Yeah. It's a good heart starter. It's probably a heart stopper ultimately, <laughs> but it's a heart starter. You know, it's early in the morning. Go for it, uh, yeah. and especially warm cinnamon HJD. donut. HJD. Oh, oh, old school. Yeah, oh, yeah all warm cinnamon. HJDs are uh, at the footy. Uh, like every single oh, time I eat yeah. a bag of them, I get a stomach ache. A bag. Of bag? Them. Yeah, can you get a bag? It's like five for. Yeah, you get five for whatever and amount. Five for three dollars. They're smaller. Or They're $2 smaller. Each. Yeah, but every single time I get the worst stomach ache from them. But I cannot resist. I cannot resist. What's resume. the quality of the jam? Would you say? Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's up there. It's not. It's not. But there's something about maybe the proximity to the G and the coldness mm. of the air. Yes. There's just this right yeah. confluence of things that results in like a hot jam donut being the perfect. Snack. Yeah. What's your ultimate donut, Daniel? Okay. Uh, I'm a bit of a sucker for puns of names as well. Oh. So a lot of these new donut joints have menus where, like, I think there was one place. It's closed now, but they named one after Dusty Martin. Did they? Did they? Yeah. What was it called? I wish I could remember. Oh. <laughs> but it was, like, let's say it was like. Dusty, the is dusted, su- yeah, exactly. Something uh, dusted, custard, could, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could something. work. Um, there's one here, Biscoff gone nuts, uh, glazed and confused, uh, <laughs> glazed and confused, naughty teller. Anyway, so uh, I'm a bit of a suck for that, but yeah, the creme brulee, maybe even. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, I go deep and I go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. Ash Flanders is a multi-award winning playwright, screenwriter and performer whose solo work includes End Of, Playing to Win, Meme Girls and Ash Flanders is Nothing. Ash's new show is SS Metaphor, which can be seen at the Malthouse Outdoor Stage in December and to tell us about it, the cabaret artist and limbo champion joins us now. Ash, welcome back to Breakfasters. What an insane introduction. <laughs> exactly. um, weren't you just here? Uh, if, doesn't it feel like, what is time? <laughs> yeah. So so you had a show in June. That I went did. ahead? Yes, all two performances did go ahead. <laughs> it did go ahead. Okay, good. And, uh, and now you're back with a cast of thousands? Yes. Well, if by thousands you mean three other people, that's <laughs> right I am. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about it. What, what are we doing here? Is it, are we on a cruise liner? We are. We're on a ship called the SS Metaphor. And what a great title for a ship because I think more meets more than meets the eye. Forgive me, it's still very early for it an is. actor. Um, uh, so it's a ship that's been out at sea for an extended period of time because there happened to be a wealthy person aboard who could keep everyone on the ship 
safe from a global event, which I don't know where I come up with this stuff, <laughs> which has made um, life back on land kind of unsafe. So these people have been able to live in kind of a bubble of like, it's as if time stood still. And it's it was kind of written, inspired by the idea, you know, that rhetoric that was just like, oh God, wasn't everything just so great before lockdown and the <laughs> pandemic? Like, wasn't everything just perfect? I wish we could go back. And I was like, yeah, I don't think it was great for everyone. Like, I don't think everyone was loving the way things were going. So it's sort of inspired by that and the fact that cruise ships have, like, a natural hierarchy to them. You've got, like, obviously more wealthy guests get a certain experience. But then even within, like, the people who work on the ship, I've had friends who've entertained on ships and, like, the guest entertainer might get a, a room to themselves. But, like, other people are, like, sandwiched in tiny rooms with no windows. And then, God forbid, you're someone who, like, I don't know, has to clean the ship or like do the engineering stuff on the ship because i think those conditions are borderline squalid yes. yeah <laughs> so you've you've got friends who have performed on cruise ships but not yourself no, I've never had the pleasure. I have performed at uh, theatre restaurants uh, in Melbourne for two years. I did a good stint. And I'm not going to say the name, but I did wear fangs. And, <laughs> uh, that was like, I like to think that's a cruise ship on dry dock. You know, for a good two years, I performed to people. I did feel like I was seasick a lot of the time. <laughs> Oh my god, Ash! Um, this is a dangerous <laughs> question because the answer might be no. Uh, and then, uh, do you do you watch Succession? Of course. Okay, oh, honey, I've lived it. Oh, <laughs> right, great. Okay, so the I mean the cruise ships are are kind of in the TV show they form a part yes. of this kind of moral compass. There's all this stuff that's happened on the cruise ships. It's really bad. Um, what is it about cruise shop, cruise ships that lends themselves to this kind of drama and and I guess being able to write about it in this way? Well, I think it's kind of like a classic situation where if you cut people off from the rest of the world and ply them with alcohol, I mean, that's how reality TV works. It's like you are going to have some dangerous, crazy behaviour. And, like, obviously nothing, you know, serious. I mean, that show is full of, like, hideous things that are all true about things that happen on these cruise ships. But um, mine is much more like... Uh, it, well, it's, like there's no, there's less assaults and more kind of violent revolutions and sort of uh, coups that happen on my ship. So tell us about the uh, the cast that you've you know you get to be in the same room with. Well, I'm very lucky. We have people that have performed on cruise ships before and people, you know, we've got people of different ages. It's a really great, diverse cast. We've got um, Zenia Camelotti, who's our youngest cast member. She's the baby. She's like 24, I think. She's her Malthouse debut, which feels so great to get to help introduce the Malthouse audiences to her. Mm. And then we've got Natalie Gamsu, who's done lots of great stage work around the world and has performed on cruise ships as a singer. And then we've got Mr. Will Conyers, who is like, if you're an actor or a singer in Melbourne, you know the name Will Conyers because he's this like elite vocal coach and he's been around forever. I mean, he's, I mean, he'll hate that I said that because he's very young looking, mm. but let's just say <laughs> that he learned piano. He was taught by Liberace at one point. So, you know, Will's, <sighs> Will's tread to boards for quite a while and mm -hmm. it's so great to bring him to the Melbourne, uh, to the Maltas audience because I don't know, he's a very special person. He gets to play piano and act in the show. So we've really burdened our will with the hardest part <laughs> of the show. What, have your skills, where do you think you're, obviously you're versatile, but where do you think you're weakest? Well, that's my grinder profile. Um, yeah, it's a work of fiction. Um, where am I weakest? I don't know. I think the face ain't great. <laughs> oh, no! Um, I'd say that, no, I'm just, I'm just an actor first that then uh, sort of, I just started writing because I wasn't uh, being offered anything and I really wanted to, I love theatre in a very daggy way and mm. the show is very much a love letter to kind of razzle-dazzle showbiz theatre, glitz and wigs and bad accents and pratfalls awesome. and trapdoors. So, like, I've always wanted to be doing theatre and so I just kind of made it happen for myself because I had to and I always loved writing as well I just didn't think anyone would ever find it funny but oh my god hail Satan they do <laughs> I'm so happy yeah and so with Tyler Ray Hawkins is doing set and costume design what's Tyler brought to the uh, to the situation you got going on well Tyler is uh very happy to investigate the world of big wigs and 
sequins and lame and all the great takarama that uh, certainly my idea of a cruise ship is kind of stuck somewhere in the 70s so i really wanted like flowing caftans and like i want people to get hammered in the audience for real and tyler's created a very surreal world where like you will feel like it's a gaudy nightmare. It's a boat. Essentially, we want you to feel like it's a boat you want to get off. So, <laughs> Tyler has created that perfectly. If I ever get married, I now want the dress to be Takarama. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God, it's the wedding theme. <laughs> so what's the outdoor stage at Malthouse? Well, essentially, it's a platform um, that they've plonked in the middle of a dirt bowl. No, it's, um, <laughs> it's this great, um, it's a big platform, I will say that. It's uh, so big that, in fact, we've halved the depth of it so that we're not too far away from our audience. But it's this really great um, stage. They put a roof on it as well. There's all lights, there's all sound, and you can sit out there at sort of cabaret table seating. Mm. So sit with your friends, and they've got, like, rosé on tap and and booze and food there's a pizza kitchen there that's making pizzas so it's a very chill easy environment to go watch a show they do a lot of live music there and live comedy so i think i'm the first like play that's being done on that stage this is gonna be fun isn't it it's i really want it to be fun i really care about an audience having a good time i really like to be funny first and there's serious things in the show and big ideas but they're delivered in the stupidest funniest way possible <laughs> beautiful so yeah I, I really want the audience to have a great time and you can definitely do that at the malthouse outdoor stage all right ss metaphors at malthouse outdoor stage 5th to the 19th of december get your tickets via malthousetheatre.com.au ash thank you thank you so much for having me Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. I went for a walk over the weekend uh, just around my block uh, and uh, I noticed when I was walking around the block, um, I came up to the back of our apartment complex so you can actually see uh, that that's where we see out to. There's this little courtyard um, and I'm just on level one and I noticed when I was walking that you could see straight into our apartment. I just had assumed that... Our, I mean, because our windows are tinted, but I just thought I did not realise how much you could see into into oh, the apartment. Like you could terrifying. see, it was terrifying. I was like, oh my god, is that our apartment? And so we've got the balcony, and then you've got the lounge room, dining, and kitchen. And I had assumed that you, there's no way that you could see into the kitchen. So I have been living my life and walking around naked. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know, I avoided the the lounge room because I thought, no, that's a bit close to them, uh, to the <laughs> to the windows. So just in case, I'll come. I'll like like I'll just kind of move around here if I need to, um, and and I could just see straight in. And like that that is that's a court that lots of people hang out in and play in and stuff. I don't. Now we know why lots of people hang out. <laughs> yeah, shows over for them. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I came in um, and, and I said to Abby, I was like, oh, I went for a walk the other day and I, I was just across the road. She's like, yeah, I, I could see straight into the apartment. She's like, yeah, well, we can see them. I'm like, yeah, but isn't it? I thought it would be tinted slightly. She's like, not for the amount that you're walking around naked. I'm like, oh, okay. So Abby this whole time has just thought you're like Mrs. Exhibitionist. Just- well. I mean, yeah, probably she did. She just, I think she questioned it once. I'm like, as if they can see in here. And she kind of just chuckled at the time. Mm. Um, But it made me think of other times when (laughs) I've been on the other side of a window and I've assumed that people can't see me. Like, I think a big one is when you're driving a car. Yeah, I always think people can't see me. And I, like, I'm a starer. Yeah. I like staring at people. I like sitting in a cafe and staring. I like staring at people in a car Mm. and seeing what their weird interior world is next to my car. Mm. And then it shocks me every time someone spins around and you connect and you go, oh, my God, like you can – I'm not just sitting here visible. You can see me. Yeah, totally. What are you hoping to see? I just like people's interior worlds. Yeah. I do. The stuff that you don't see. Like yeah. picking noses. Picking noses, like fighting, singing. Fighting, oh, yeah. singing. Singing. I do love seeing someone yeah. getting right into singing. I think there's. I, I just get a joy out of seeing someone getting so far into it. But you're right, like if they catch you looking, then you kind of ruin the moment. I'm, uh, you feel like a weirdo too, which maybe I am. <laughs> mm. I live on a level where lots of people can look in, but during COVID uh, there was no people. So I felt like I took advantage and I was like going full Bobby. (laughs) 
Oh. Poor Bobby. <laughs> not often, but like sometimes. It was in the window. Yeah, not like pressing myself up against. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like if I have to scurry from one room to another. It's the visual that, Mel- it's the visual that Melbourne needed this morning. <laughs> and then now that life's back, I have to recalibrate mm. my behaviour. Anyway. Yeah. So, so the people, do you, are you like certain now that people have looked up and seen you? I, yeah, I reckon it blew my mind how clear it was inside. Mm. So now I will, yeah, I I will be more cautious until I let my guard down and then I'll just get comfortable again and do it again. Yeah. I think. I looked out of a window recently and saw a guy playing a guitar and I felt uh, very rear window-ish. But it, it felt like, you know, he was having a private moment. Mm. And I was staring at him from above him. Hang on. So was he inside of something? Or he was on inside street? an apartment building. Oh. I'm in an apartment building opposite and above. I'm like, no way. He's never going to look up and see me. Sometimes, and he looked up. No, he did Well, he oh. didn't. But this is also a thing. If you believe in energy or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, do you think... If people feel like they're being watched, like sometimes I'll stare and I'll be like, I wonder if he'll cotton on, and even though he, we're. Even though you like got walls between well, you. Well, I got scared and so, you know, scurried away. I think you should test that more often. Definitely. You well, you of, obviously you, do. Yeah, do, do you, you get caught? You do a lot of scarring, don't you? Yeah, heaps. It's yeah. my default, Is that your default mode movement. Of movement. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel was scarrier. <laughs> How about you? Do you get caught if you're staring? You say you yeah, stare Yeah, and up? I actually, what I do mean, you do? I don't know if I'm borderline a peeping Tom. I probably shouldn't say that, should I? But, like, I enjoy walking around in the evenings with Ralph and kind of not staring into people's windows, but I, it's interesting, I glance though. at the houses as I walk past. Mm. Yeah. And I think people do sense you because more often than not, I don't stand hovering <laughs> or scurrying around their front yard. Yeah. I just wander past. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I glance and I go, oh, there's people. Because I always find it interesting that people have these really open windows yeah. onto suburban streets and they have the lights on and they're just having dinner and going about their life. I'm like, what an odd choice. I like, know. Because I'm, I'm so paranoid. I'm like blinds down at all yeah. times. Yeah. Bushes up. I think uh, it, yeah. uh, Mormons, that's what I've heard, in Salt Lake City have this thing where they'll have clear windows at the front of their house because, like, nothing to hide here. Have a look. Total oh. transparent house. <laughs> like, we're so well behaved yeah. that you could just watch us at all yeah. times. Yeah. Is that true? I th- well, I think so. Um, I mean, I've said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it meanwhile, I'm like the bloody gobble doc. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. Who's, who, like, that is the exact, that is the character, isn't it? That scurries. Triple R. Garrelous game, Adam Christie is here to tell us what's worth playing. G'day, Adam. Hello, hi. How's it's exciting. Going? Uh, yeah, it's all. We're all winning, I reckon. We're. I think we're all triumphing. Basically, that's why Daniel's standing in a power pose right now <laughs> yeah, in the studio with his arms out either side of him. Um, what is what is out there? Yeah, well, you know what about you know what's about winning video yeah. games. People like to win in video games. They do. <laughs> I've been playing a game where I've been losing a lot, um, and it is really cool. It is really interesting. It's unlike anything else I've played this year or in a long time. It is called Inscription. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by a solo developer. His name is Daniel Mullins. He's had a few other games out over the years. Um, and I guess you could call him like, I don't like to use auteur theory because I think it's really lame, especially in cinema when hundreds of people work on a film. But I guess this dude has worked on one game by himself. So why not use auteur? Um, but previous games he's put out, which include The Hex and Pony Island, have had this sort of weird meta narrative element running through it that kind of question the idea of what is a game? What is the story within a game? Um, How can we break the fourth wall? How is the player playing the game part of the game and part of the story of it in a way that you wouldn't otherwise expect when you play games? And all of that comes to the fore in his latest game, Inscription. Inscription's hard for me to talk about because I feel like giving away what Inscription does kind of ruins the whole mystique of it. I almost just want to like end the segment now and say, you should play this game. It's my game of the year. Bye, everyone. See you later and tell you nothing. Um, but that would be really boring. <laughs> that would defeat the purpose of me coming in here. Um, so I'm going to kind of give you the basic rundown of what it feels like to play maybe like the first hour or so of Inscription before it starts to really unravel and reveal what's really going on with it. So Inscription 
is a game that draws on a really popular subgenre of video games that have kind of blown up in the last five years, the roguelike deck building card game. And I feel like I've spoken about a couple of these on here over the years. And basically the idea is it takes elements of the roguelike genre. So that idea of exploring a dungeon that constantly um, refreshes itself and is randomized. Um, and every time you die, you have to restart from the beginning. Um, but adds in deck building elements for a card game. So say like a tabletop card game like Magic the Gathering, the idea is that you're building a deck of cards so that you can win various card matches against an opponent and then kind of travel through a dungeon where each battle is like a different card match against your opponents. So that is the genre that Inscription is kind of sitting itself in really loosely. I'd also argue that it's sitting within a different genre, which is that this is a horror experience at its heart. This is... The Blair Witch Project. Oh, this cool. is The Ring. This is, and, and, and that's not what you would expect at first when you sit down to play like a card game, video game. But when you load up this game for the very first time, the first thing that you hear is there's a blank screen and you hear just someone off camera basically saying, hmm, I wonder what's on this thing. And then you hear the sound of what can only be a really old floppy disk drive from the 90s loading up. And so the implication is Could the game- Could you do that sound for us? Is that pretty good? <laughs> sounds pretty like bad. One, that sounds like 1.44 meg to me. <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're getting there. Um, but the implication <laughs> is that you are watching or you are this person that is playing this found object, this old game that no one's seen for maybe like 20 years or something. Um, it's been unearthed and dusted off and you've just popped in the disc and you want to find out what's in it. Um, when you start Inscription, you can't start a new game. You can only continue. Um, the new game option is grayed out, so you have to continue from wherever whoever was playing this game before it was found and dusted off from the 90s. That's sort of the vibe that it's giving you right now. It's very Blair Witch. I found these mm. like um, found these old videos in the woods, where did the people go kind of energy. And the game starts up and you're immediately put in the first person perspective um, and you see like a really interesting sort of lo-fi polygon environment, looks very like late 90s, of just a table. Um, which is obviously going to be where you're playing cards, and then a pair of menacing eyes in shadow on the opposite side of the table. That's your opponent, who immediately is like, where have you been? It's been so long since I've seen you. I'll catch you back up to speed because you've probably forgotten how to play. And then immediately this mysterious sort of game master who's on the other side of the table starts running you through the elements of how you play the card game, how your deck works, um, which is all built around like summoning animals by sacrificing other animals with blood sacrifice to put down new cards of stronger animals so that they can fight the opponent's hand, which is also animals. It's very sort of interesting kind of tactile experience for a card game because it's first person. You actually have to move the camera up and down to look at your deck, at, like look at the cards in your hand, then look back up and then look at the table. It's very cool in that sense. Um, points are scored using a scale which sits to the side of the table that like gold teeth are put into depending <laughs> on who scores the most points each round um, there is an object that you get later that sits on the table called a pair of pliers and at any time if you're feeling like you might be losing you can use the pliers to yank out a pair of your own teeth throw them on the scales to like meet the odds and keep going in oh. a round if you're having struggles um, and the whole time you're being taunted by this mysterious game master at the other side who seems to, um, I guess like eldritch horror is a bit of a vibe I would describe him as. He's a bit of a Lovecraftian weirdo. Um, you can't quite see his face and he's constantly putting on masks and role playing his characters that you meet while you go through this dungeon that is on the tabletop game that you're playing. It's very cool. It's very atmospheric. Mm. And then you lose for the first time. Like it, it's going to happen in one of these games. You're kind of learning the mechanics and learning the feel of how to play the card game. But the very first time you lose in this, um, the game master will just turn to you and be like, well, I'm going to give you another chance. Stand up from the table, go over there and pick up that candle and bring it back to me. And that's when you realize that you can actually get up off this table and explore the environment around you and that you are locked in a cabin in the woods with this mysterious stranger and there is a whole bunch of puzzles and interesting things going on in this cabin that you need to solve. And to solve those directly relates back into how you can beat the card game. And it, it. it is like 
onions peeling off. I feel like every 20 minutes you feel like you have an idea of what you're doing in Inscription. You feel like you're mastering the card game or you know what's going on with the story and then something else happens. Something new happens. Either it's a new mechanic to the card game that forces you to relearn it all from scratch or something really revelation-like, like being able to get up off the table that you've been sitting at and explore the environment around you happens. And I don't want to say any more about what happens because I think the journey of this game is just being constantly mind blown by where it goes, what it's doing and where the story eventually heads. Could you imagine this being a board game or a legitimate card game like in real life or Yes, but also no because it's it's really exciting because it's doing things that card games can't do in real life. Like there are cards in this card game that you will pick up in your deck and then they start talking to you <laughs> and start offering hints and saying things like just just listen to me. Together we can beat this guy on the other side of the table if you listen to me. We'll know what to do. Um, and so suddenly you've got cards talking to you, you've got mechanics changing on the fly. Um, it it kind of takes the idea of what a card game could be and then just sends it into the next dimension with all of the trappings that video games allow and interactive media gives you. And then I am going to spoil one slight thing, which is at one point in this game, I actually unlocked a gallery of six different videos that I could watch of some dude like doing a YouTube series where he like rips open card decks for card collectible games like Pokemon. Instead, he found a message on one of the cards that led him into the woods and he starts digging up a hole and finds the floppy disk of inscription. Um, so I don't know where that plot's going to go. I'm not going to tell anyone where wow. it's going to go. You'll have to play inscription to find out. But it starts seeding almost like a Blair Witch style found footage kind of ring cursed yeah. horror, cursed media thing in its plot as well. There is so much more than that going on. I'm holding back a lot. Does, does it sound as spooky as it looks? It's pretty creepy. Um, it's very atmospheric. It would be so cool if it was in virtual reality, I think, because like being able to feel like you're physically in that space is what it does so well. I love the way that, you know, you play a lot of digital card games and they're a very kind of like colorful, cheerful sort of veneer. They look like like a user interface for a cool program. But this game wants you to feel like you're sitting across from a very creepy dude with scary eyes who's staring at you menacingly in the shadows. I mean, like and if just, you're a break faster. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> this one scuttling about in the morning. <laughs> Goldock in the corner. Uh, and it's such a good title. How come that hasn't pun, that pun hasn't been taken before? I don't know. It's, it's, it's really, I think for me, maybe one of the best puzzle horror card games I've ever played. I think this is a surprise sleeper hit that could be on a lot of people's end of year lists. It does things with games narratives that I just haven't seen in a long time. It's really inventive. It's super smart. And then the thing I think that's really great is the actual card game itself, which may feel like the trappings to tell like a emotional horror story or whatever is really addictive as well. Like the mechanics of like the person who is like Daniel Mullins, the developer has worked out really interesting games like tactic like like ideas into this card game it feels really evolved it doesn't feel like you're playing like a half-baked game for the sake of getting to an interesting story hidden within it it feels like there is a really fully realized interesting board game here that is super imaginative and constantly changing goodness me inscription with a y uh (laughs) devolver yeah, Devolver Digital is the publisher and it's uh, being developed by Daniel Bellins. The gaming auteur. Yeah, out on PC only at the moment, but I really hope it gets ported to a few consoles so more people get to play Brilliant. it because it's something special. Chris too, thank you. Cheers. Triple R. Full capacity gig last night at Comedy Republic. We welcome back to Breakfasters. Friday funny bugger, Scout Boxall. Morning, Scout. Morning. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure and happy birthday. Thank you. Turned 27 yesterday, which is uh, renowned for being a great age for artists and people on a mental health <laughs> Good luck with the year. <laughs> What's going on? It's lovely. Uh, it, it's it's been good. We're 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 bloody back. God, I'm I'm sick of saying that. I, I want to go. I almost like I just want a little tiny outbreak. Like no, I don't want anyone here. 
I don't want to be unwell, but I just want a weekend off. Do you know what I mean? Like it's been it's been so hectic lately. If it's any I... consolation, the case, case numbers are huge. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you might be you might be getting that weekend sooner than you thought. <laughs> oh man, take me back. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. Um, no, I I went to my first. Uh, I went back to the gay bars for the first time last week in like six months. Mm-hmm. I went to the eighty six, queued for half an hour. <laughs> Got in, and it was just like a high school formal. Like, two of the speakers were busted. Like, we love the 86. It's an institution, but, like, two of the speakers were busted. And the floor was so sweaty and messy, and the music was just... It was incredible pairings of, like, Blondie with The weekend with some disco. It was just, yeah, it was like... Flawless. It was the hits of the 80s, 90s, and now just vomited onto the stage. (laughs) (laughs) It was beautiful. Um, But I saw this, like, I saw this incredible interaction between these two guys who I don't think were gay. I just think they wanted, like, a night out. And they just, like, um, it was, like... uh, I think Robin's like dancing on my own, like a, a, a dance floor classic. And they sort of were dancing together as mates. And then um, one of them just like gripped the back of the neck <laughs> of his mate and like held their foreheads together. And they were like less than a foot away from me. So I could like hear their conversation. And he was like, man, I love you so much. I love you so much, brother. Like, but, uh, but uh, you will never be my emergency contact. <laughs> And I don't know what any of the context leading up to it was. Oh, also, they were in matching jumpsuits. Like, one of them was in a blue jumpsuit. One of them was in a red jumpsuit. It was, like, a strange little Mario moment. And I was just like, wow. None of us know how to interact anymore. (laughs) That's just a stunning, beautiful moment that I have shared with these men on this sweaty little dance floor on a Saturday night. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to dance far to far, isn't it? I mean, I <laughs> imagine it mm. is. Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like, I went to an Anglican school and they would get the ruler out and they would be like, all right, everyone, we're going to be swaying in very uh, very platonic, yeah. heterosexual couples. Yeah, <laughs> they were practicing social distancing before it was fashionable. Um, oh, Lord. Oh, no. Social and emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Physical and spiritual. <laughs> I, I um I don't know if you guys did any of you guys go to a religious school yeah, like growing up? I went to a Catholic school. Yeah, super Catholic. Same. Primary school. Oh, okay. I think I think Anglicans like in general were like Catholics but like with the pretense of trying to be like a little bit cool and a little bit funky. Oh, like... I thought Anglicans are cool. Like I went to an Anglican youth group and I was like, it's the cool youth group. <laughs> Oh, it's not a regular youth group. It's a cool. It's, youth it's not a Catholic group. youth group. It's a cool one. They like ladies. Yeah, <laughs> they, they I, like women. I know they were like nice they have women. women in the church. Yeah. Um, we used to have like just like thinking of like emotional and emotional and social distancing. We used to have like all these posters up that was like, "Do you want to call someone who has the answer to all your problems? Try one eight hundred reverse prayer." <laughs> Like, Jesus is on the other end of that hotline. And it was, like, a, a phone that was a hand. And it was, like, you were talking into the prayer hand. And it's, like, Jesus. Well, anyway, I just I just remembered that. Like, I just had, like, this visceral flashback to being 14 and being, like, maybe Jesus can answer my problems as to, like, why I have a crush on my best friend in you. That's fine. <laughs> I like their collars. They, did you, they have collars. Is that right? Like yes, the, yeah. they got the cute little dog collars. Yeah, they're lovely. Yeah. They're they're a moment. And do you reckon you but... do you get a signed one like a baggy green cap, or <laughs> do you get like a pack of ten? <laughs> do you get yeah? Do you get like a twenty pack that you can just like rip out after the end of a long day and just like crack it open and be like, oh god? By bringing in the retired footballers, they bring in the retired Reverend Bazza to <laughs> hand over have... the collar. <laughs> Of like fabric banner that, yeah. like, the, that like the reverend runs through. He just runs through and he's like clasping his hands together in the end. He's like, yes, we did it. We did it. We did it. And he's like, now you might have, and or like he 
oh god something about something about like walking through and it's like there was only one set of footsteps <laughs> when i was having a rough time that's... and jesus is like that's was that's because i was carrying you to the goal line brother <laughs> i'll let you bloody kick a try <laughs> kick a try <laughs> i gave it a go you did brilliant what is it what's the term Touch oh, a try. Yeah, touch a try, score a try. I mean, I was talking about AFL footy, so, yeah. uh, but I got confused, So, but I went with it. I think you combine two sports. That's what I, was I feel like the thing about that um, prayer, is it a prayer, the whole footstep steal? Is yeah. it anonymous? Oh, I feel bad yeah. for whoever invented it. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, an anonymous quote. We love an anonymous quote. Like, someone's just put together what they think is a particularly pithy thought, but they're like, oh, I'm not good enough to attribute this to myself. I'm not going to back myself and actually, like, put my name to this. Yeah. No, I'm going to just say it's anonymous. Like, But oh, if you say it's God. anonymous, it's, it confers a sense of timelessness. Yeah, true. Oh. Oh, oh. Mm. Yeah, true. A non-attributable quote of wisdom. Mm. So we know like, that it wasn't, like, a marketing company who was selling, exactly. like, a, a steps watch or something. <laughs> Count every step you take. Like, the ones you don't. With steps watch. Now, with an app where you can call Jesus at any time. He gives you a little Bible passage every day. Oh my goodness. Worry not, for the flowers are being tended to and the lilies are gilded. Don't stress, the birds are fine. Like, oh Nike. <laughs> New about. Are you seeking a new balance in your life? Between the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. New balance. Also, great support for you arches and those cathedral arches. There we go. We're spitballing now, though. Get Don Draper on the phone. What else is up? What else is up? Um, last night I did, I did an entire set about something that I found out about um, this year that, that broke my brain a little bit. Um, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Are you guys across this? Very much. This, like health game of the internet. Yes. Yeah. Have you invested? No, you no. One? God, of course not. But it's, it's interesting to see millions of dollars for a GIF. Oh my, it's incredible. It's like, so far, for anyone listening, who doesn't know non-fungible tokens are basically like digital artworks you can own and purchase the rights to using cryptocurrency um, which kind of sounds like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is a new landscape of like digital creation that could potentially be interesting. Um, but the actual art that you're getting, first of all, it's heinously expensive. Like it's like minimum one Ethereum, which is roughly $5,900, oh, which wow. is like bonkers. But then the second thing is the quality of art. It's like, like gifts, it makes gifts look good. Like it's so poorly put together it's like a it's like a painting of a lion on ms paint like it's so so awful and i'm fascinated because it's clearly money laundering oh. right mm. that, that, that's all i can think of because mm. like who would be shelling out like eight grand for what is essentially like a, an emoji brought to life and well, yeah. I thought non-fungible tokens were because we've talked about it mm. a fair bit, but but it, you know this conversation could be a non-fungible token. Yes, because mm, it's we could digitize it and say this is the original and sell it. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we're okay, all millionaires. Okay, making. Uh, and for you know, like uh, Quentin Tarantino has just turned seven pages of his Pulp Fiction script into a non-fungible token. Has he? Yes. Really? Mm. How in, in what's the, how does it? What's the form of it? Is it just is it just a PDF? Yeah, it yeah. might be yeah, just a ah. PDF with an audio commentary as well. Ah, but it's just like at what point are you just at what point are you just sending email attachments yeah. for like huge amounts of money? <laughs> mm. Like, I mean, what, what do you think this? What do you think this little chat would go for in Ethereum? This ch- <laughs> this chat, I'd, I'd, yeah, very oh, pretty, priceless, pretty penny, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Slightly okay. insulting to put a figure on it. I, would have oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Some but things but can't be bought. It's like it's like this ethereal, beautiful passing moment. You know, like we've had fun, we've laughed, yeah, we've we've come up with product ideas. Like this, this was a beautiful, <laughs> That's fleeting right. moment. 
and now we're going to compress it yeah. into. In fact, I don't know. Um, Sarah's mate Martin Schlecky was. was didn't he get involved in a non-fungible token? Oh, with the um, Wu-Tang album? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, that, was, is that a non-fungible token? In a sense, but there's only a, one. Yeah, but there was a, it, it was a physical product. Doesn't it have to not be a physical product? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. So, sorry, does your mate own a Wu-Tang? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Number one, token? I'm not mates with that guy. <laughs> Who I think is in jail now. Oh my god! Oh no no no! I know who you're yeah. talking about. I know you're farmer bro is who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Not your mate. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who like jacked up the price of like essential medication. Yes, that's precisely like, right. ten thousand dollars a pill, and everyone was like, "What are you talking about?" And then he's like, "I own the Wu Tang." Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. My I'm good. My good friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're good mate. Yeah. You're good mate. Doing these days, he's in prison. Yeah, poor Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, we've learned so much, Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Learned, we've laughed, we've shared, we've prayed, we've been in communion with Christ. Exactly. Thank you, brothers and sisters in the world. And I'm sorry if a if a steps out called Footprints in the Sand comes out this summer. You heard it here first. On this non-fungible yeah. token. Peyton pending. <laughs> Thanks, Heap Scout. Triple R. You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of the Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with Breakfasters via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or via the Triple R website. <laughs>